0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Electra, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, the Pelicans undefeated summer. League run has come to an end, losing to the Detroit Pistons on Monday afternoon. We'll recap that game. Who played well? Who didn't? Has uh, Travon Blewett still been blowing us away, earning that max roster contract slot, everything, all the maxes, after his tremendous summer league play? Well, I'll break down what happened there for you guys so you know a little bit more about what to expect and where the Pelicans kind of go from here in Summer League, I guess. Kind of. It doesn't really matter. So we'll we'll talk about that. Then just kind of recap some quick news around the NBA. A lot of signings became official today as teams started to really conduct some business, kind of structure their moves. We'll break that all down for you. So all that uh, in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So Summer League and the Pelicans dropped their final game of pool played 105-97 to the Detroit Pistons. Who cares that the Pelicans fell in a hole early and then started to come back late in the fourth and kind of had a double-digit uh, scoring advantage in the fourth quarter against Detroit because it's Summer League. No one cares about that yet. You guys want to know how teams have played, or how teams, how players have played. And this overall, not Too great. And let's start with Cech Diallo, who through the first two games has been a little bit uninspired, but he's just had solid play, and you're not really worried about him in Summer League or anything like that. Whether he's having a good Summer League or bad Summer League, eh, it's fine. As long as he doesn't look atrocious out there, I think it's okay. Though when you watched him in this game, though he scored 25 points in 27 minutes and did it on 17 shots, you never felt really until the fourth quarter that he was really mentally in this or exactly what was going on with him. He didn't really come out firing, didn't really play particularly well whatsoever after anything, so it's kind of interesting, and Kevin Hansen said this after the game, uh, that Diallo needs to become a self-starter, so kind of want to see that at tip-off, and in the first half, and not just kind of lackadaisically playing and going through the motions, which is kind of what it felt like he was doing in this game, and kind of, you know, when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, maybe it's what he's been doing all of Summer League, and It's kind of disappointing, but again, it's summer league. I'm not overly worried about this for anybody. He's going to maybe be a rotation piece. I think it was still uncertain. And even if he had a breakout summer league, I don't think it would have changed his outlook or prospects with this team coming up this year on everything. So kind of just a so-so summer league for him, which is not great. But in terms of summer league play, when they're established NBA players or young guys, things like that, you just don't want to see them be terrible. I think that's the big thing. Uh, Just don't be atrocious in Summer League, and I'll be okay. Now, everyone wants to talk about Trevon Blewett, and this is why we didn't rush to give him that max contract after two games, because he did have a down game for him. Didn't start, though. He played 29 minutes in this one. That's a third-highest number on the team. Scored 13 points, kind of came back down to earth. 5 of 12 shooting overall, just for him. 2 of 6 shooting from deep. And then he had 3 rebounds, 3 assists, a turnover, uh, and played all around okay. But this is a guy who was kind of marked out of this game. You saw Detroit really try and deny him good open looks. And if he's not getting that, he's not nearly as effective of a player as you know, he had been in these first games. So I think that's kind of the the disappointing thing. Though Kevin Hansen, after the game, did say it would be great to get him on our real team. He's a real NBA player. Another guy we're keeping our eye on here is, of course, Pe- Pelican's second round pick, Tony Carr. And he, now this is where he looked rough. And I wouldn't say he was Bad, but he certainly wasn't good, and I, I'm airing more on the bad side. He wasn't even so-so. He was subpar, let's call it that. I don't know if it's if atrocious is the right word, but it's not been good for him. 21 minutes on the night, he started. Six total points on just two of three shootings. So The percentage is great, but maybe you'd like to see him uh, take more or try and do something else. Hit a three, and then he had two rebounds to go along with just one assist but three turnovers. It just seems like he's not an NBA-ready player right now. And if you're struggling against this type of talent in the Summer League, I don't know if you're ready to be in the NBA or even the G League for that matter. I think that's the bigger thing that he just doesn't feel like he's really out there on the court. You don't feel any sort of impact on the game whatsoever. And I just think that's not something the Pelicans really have time for right now. So we'll see if he makes it to training camp, which I'm sure he will, or if he makes it to a two-way contract. But certainly I don't think Summer League is doing him any favors right now. The guy I do think the Pelicans maybe are looking at a little bit more for a two-way contract is a name we mentioned yesterday and someone that is very familiar to Pelicans fans here, and that's Walter Lemon Jr. Walt, who played 32 minutes, at second highest on the team, 14 points. He was 6 of 14 overall from the field, along with 7 assists. It's pretty good for your starting two guard. Four turnovers, not too great, right there. But he did have three steals along with three rebounds, so he's contributing in a variety of ways. And I think that might be what the Pelicans are looking for in a two-way contract player. You don't need just a shooter who's one-dimensional like that, like Blewett is. I think, and he is. Look, don't don't tell me otherwise that he can kind of penetrate and probe defenses. It's summer league. he's not going to be able to do that against NBA players. Certainly, if they want to give him a chance, I'm going to root for him to be able to do it. But I'd rather see the guy that I have seen, or I'd rather have the guy that I have seen done it against NBA teams so far, even if he wasn't great, and that's Walter Lemon Jr. And again, he's kind of doing multiple things really well, and he's got the stats to back them all up too. I think this is maybe the guy that the Pelicans want to look at on a two-way contract. If they roll with the kind of the guard depth of Ian Clark, Alfred Payton, each one more and drew a holiday. And maybe they had another one there. Walter lemon jr. Then gives you some insurance. If someone gets injured, you can bring them up use his 45 days in the NBA kind of in that emergency role, I think you might feel comfortable with him being your fourth guy, your fourth guard here with this team in some capacity. So I think maybe that does it or maybe he's your fifth guy and you can still trot him out there on court on almost a nightly basis, getting a handful of minutes here and there. I think you'd feel comfortable with what he provides as long as his role isn't that big with the team and he's not getting starts or playing close to 30 minutes a game Things like that were happening to him last year when the Pelicans were kind of rotating through a cast of guys on 10-day contracts. So I think that's the guy that the Pelicans want to kind of keep an eye on when it comes to players and their two-way contracts. Guys that show discernible NBA skills that don't look a little too tentative or what have you out there like Tony Carr is doing. Again, he's not doing himself any favors. So, you know, at least we've seen Chick Diallo kind of wake up again, even though he's been kind of sluggish throughout this. I think it's okay. I'm not really worried about him. Um, and overall, though, I think you got to really like what L- Walter Lemon Jr. has been given this team in this summer league period. So a couple more games to go. They won't know who they're playing next. They will be seated for this single elimination tournament. We don't know who they're going to be playing yet till pool play is completed uh, this afternoon. So then we'll have an idea. And of course, we'll break it all down here for you guys Unlocked On pelicans um in tomorrow's episode so signings started becoming official um, for some of the big names here in the nba very recently but there's still more signings to go and we'll mention one or two of these in the next segment but if you want to just catch up what's going on around the league as a whole make sure you tune in to the locked on nba podcast as always i'm there every wednesday breaking down what's going on around the association for you so make sure you listen and subscribe to locked on nba So, as we said, contracts are starting to become official. These signings are being announced by NBA teams, and the Pelicans are no different. Alfred Payton and Julius Randle both confirmed through Pelicans PR that they are officially. Signed. Pelicans are in a hard cap situation because they use the biannual, or we assume they used the biannual exception on Alfred Payton, which then triggers the hard cap. You're not allowed to go above that and use the biannual exception, which is okay. No big deal because the Pelicans are so far away from the luxury tax and then therefore the hard cap that it's not a concern whatsoever for this team. If people were wondering, you can kind of structure deals in any order as they go through. So while the Pelicans, if you renounce Boogie's cap hold and, and the cap hold of Rajon Rondo, you can get kind of some cap space available. And they were probably around like 3 million or so under the cap at that point. I don't have the numbers in front of me. It doesn't really matter. But you can keep those cap holds on the book books um and then use your exceptions and then renounce the cap holds which puts you under the cap so that's okay and if that's how people are wondering how they managed to get these deals done when they would have only had say three million of cap space that's a rough number that's kind of how they went about doing it so you can kind of just do order of operations and structure these how you need for the contracts to kind of work and the money to work on the team so it's no problem really whatsoever for them to do that lebron to the lakers is also official now that was announced today four-year deal three years the player option I don't know if they announced Paul George's as official yet but all this will come and we kind of know what's going on no surprise teams aren't kind of going back on this during the moratorium period anymore that's really only happened once with DeAndre Jordan who's gonna sign for around uh, or sign with the Dallas Mavericks yet again so no big deal right now that they're three years down the line from this there was another big signing today that will be made official soon, and that's the Los Angeles Clippers signing Luke Baamute to a one-year deal, right around like 4.3, 4500000 million, something along those lines. So, Pelicans were never going to have a chance for him then, other than a sign trade at maybe around $4 million or so, if that's what it was going to take to sign him. But he took more money to go back to the Clippers, where he was before, before signing with the Houston Rockets. This hurts the Rockets, man. They lost Ariza and Luke Baamute now, so two of their wings who played heavy minutes for them and not bringing in any kind of defensive stopper there, which I think is really key to them. They weren't a bad defense last year. They were actually kind of good. Those two guys were very key for that. Would Baamute have been a good fit here in New Orleans? Maybe. He's still somewhat limited offensively, so you kind of have a defensive stopper in the mold of Solomon Hill, and do you really need two of those? Probably not, but it was a name worth keeping an eye on with this team, with needing some depth on the wing. Now I'm assuming all of us have eyes on Ennis, and if he's going to end up signing with the team, and we'll see. He certainly could be had for a vet minimum deal. But right now I'd be willing to bet the Pelicans are trying to figure out who they can bring in to the team with that trade exception, that $4 million trade exception. But here's the thing. Any wing that's just making $4 million and that's it, and they were signed before this really depressed market here, they're probably not that good. Like, There's not a lot of $4 million wings out there that you want that are going to be great upgrades to this team. Um, so I think that's a bit of a concern with it. Um, I haven't checked, and I'll check the numbers for the tomorrow's podcast, as, of if a guy like um, Oubre uh, on the Washington Wizards fits and if that could maybe happen there too. But I don't know. Again, not great fits there either. He's not too great. Maybe worth kicking the tires on. We'll see. Um, So they're kind of running out of some wing options, but certainly they're still going to play it fairly safe right now and just slowly and just see how the market plays out because a lot of these guys, as we talked about yesterday, are kind of interchangeable. Player A is kind of the same as player B. No big deal. Interesting thing to note, now that Zach Levine is back with the Bulls after the Kings made him a big offer sheet and the Bulls matched, is they're maybe going to make a run at Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. So that'll be interesting to see if they actually do that. Another restricted guard. They're kind of making a run at a number of guys. Smart is worth a lot. I don't know how much, so we will certainly see. But that would be a pretty big blow to Boston if he doesn't take a qualifying offer, if they can't get him below market for what they're trying to do there and the contender they're trying to build. Because that team is going to start running into some salary cap trouble in the future. Future, Not quite there yet, but they're going to get there. So it's worth keeping an eye on. So even though we're kind of past that big, scary first volley of free agency stuff, there's still a lot of little things going on around the league that are worth keeping an eye on. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Still, free agency rolls on, as does Summer League. And, of course, I will be here to recap it for you every step of the way. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Thank you all for listening, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.